time is Zach and John Mir. My name is Zach, host by John Mir Wilson. And today, the name of the game is Losing to Win, our first episode of the 2022 year. But this episode is going to be about tanking slash rebuilding. And we're just going to talk about whether or not we think it's a worthwhile strategy, whether it's really beneficial or, you know, and the difference between tanking and rebuilding, because they do, there are two different words. Do they mean two different things? So yeah, we'll get into that and other things, depending on how this conversation goes. So, uh, Jameer, what are your thoughts on the idea of tanking? Let's start there. My thoughts on tanking are interesting. Uh, so with tanking, I think that it's a very controversial strategy for two reasons. One, because in sport, it's about competition and, and you compete to win. So the idea of losing to win essentially is uh, it's it's frowned upon in that way from a competitor's perspective. And then also the aspect of fan of fans and like the fan base that you are playing for and that you are competing for is, you know, it's, it's kind of throwing that out the window, like sitting out. Be the the best players on the team or or putting in putting in bums on purpose and and not really fighting to win and not even making games entertaining and things of that nature and resorting to i guess, it, it, resorting to methods that that can seem ethically off at times just to just to try to win and uh, just so you can get a real a rebuilding piece, essentially, or a rebuilding block. Um, and the the greatest example we have, I guess, of that is the quote unquote process in Philly. So, like, and and in that vein and in that light, <clears throat> before we get into that, I guess would. Where, where does your mind go when you hear of tanking? Well, I mean, yeah, kind of with tanking, it's like tanking to me is the having it. You, you know your team's bad, and you understand that you aren't going to win. And instead of doing your best to win, you just absolutely, absolutely lean into the fact that you suck, and you just figure out how can I suck more so I can get – this first or second draft pick versus I think there is there's such thing as a team that's bad, but they're not tanking. I think that's where the difference between rebuilding and tanking is. Although nowadays teams have been using different language because tanking has a negative connotation. I noticed some teams be like, oh, we're in talent acquisition mode, which is basically, you know, that is tanking where you like at least with a a very recent or current uh, version of the a current version of tanking, excuse me. A current version of taking is like the Oklahoma City Thunder. And granted, they do have some decent pieces and things are looking up in certain regards. They like last season, they were playing pretty well. They were they had a shot at they were close to being in a playoff contention at one point. And then they decided we're just gonna sit Al Horford, even though he's perfectly healthy, perfectly fine, and playing well, we're gonna sit him because he's helping us win too much. And then they, you know, they trade him for Kemba, and they Kemba at that point would probably have been their second best player behind Shea, but they just wave him because 
they really, really just traded Kemba just to, you know, get a draft, just to get a draft pick and to get off Al Horford's contract, which teams do trade players just to get off contracts. But it's rare that you get rid of that player, get someone who would be high in your pecking order and then release them. And then, like, another example is the Rockets not playing John Wall at all. That's, like, actively just trying to be terrible just for the sake of being terrible versus other teams. With, like, you know, like, the Cavs, for example, they are doing great now. But, like, last year, they weren't necessarily trying to lose. They just weren't good. Although, I will say that did change at a certain point last year when they decided to trade Drummond. But – yeah, it's just like certain teams is kind of the cats are still rebuilding right now, I think, but they're not necessarily. I don't know. They're an interesting case just because like they aren't weren't really supposed to be this good this fast. But yeah, I just think that's the difference there. Like rebuilding is like, you know, you know you're bad, you're bad, but you have some pieces you want to like work with, and you know you have some veterans around. You try to win the games. You you go out there hoping to win, versus tanking is like you're going out there and you really really want to lose so you can go get player X with the first pick from like Duke or whatever, wherever the hell the first picks come from these days. But yeah. So that's how I kind of see it. I think it's like a purposeful, I think it's losing and then losing as hard as possible. Wow. <laughs> losing as hard as possible. That's a, <laughs> that's an interesting way to look at it. And then, so now talking about losing as, as hard as possible, what do you think about how the Sixers process went in the time frame that it did? Um, I mean, to me, it's just like, because the ultimate goal of every team is to win a championship at some point in time. But, like, only one team can win any given year. And just, like, there's so many factors, factors that go into it. So I don't necessarily think that's always a – that's not always a barometer of success – it's a broader whether or not you achieve your ultimate goal, but it doesn't necessarily equate to being a successful, memorable team. And like the Sixers, they had their moments like uh, 2019. Definitely. They could have won it. Um, the way things shook out last year with the Nets injuries piling up. I'm not saying they would have beat the Bucks per se, but if Ben Simmons didn't uh, shit his pants, they would have at least had a series against the Bucks. They were expected to get there. And then once you're, once you're in a matchup with somebody, you never know what happens. Again, like an injury could happen. And like that's how like the Raptors <laughs> became champions because they had two great injuries happen. And, you know, those things have, those things is what leads teams to victory. But sometimes it's part, it's part of the equation. But I do think the process could have ended in ultimately in a championship at certain points. And I wouldn't necessarily call it a failure. But based on the way how based on the fact that Sam, Sam Hinkie literally got fired, you know, right before he got the number one pick, he was so, he was dying so hard to get, which ended up being Ben Simmons, who ironically is ready to jump ship. Um, it just, at least in terms of being a general manager, it doesn't seem that it, it's conducive to having a long-term stable job with these, with certain teams or with any team. Cause like you were saying with the fans, they do want to win. It is, disgraceful it gets to the point you don't even want to turn on the game anymore because it's like like uh they had i know Jaleel Okafor didn't pan out but when he was with the sixers he was looking decent he looked like he was decent enough to keep around a little longer um 
Nerlens was actually pretty good with the Sixers, and they just kind of traded him because I guess he, he wasn't the guy they wanted. Um, Michael Carter Williams, you know, he had a pretty solid rookie year, and they just traded him because he just wasn't who they were looking for. Like, I just think it gets to a certain point where it goes a little too far, and the Sixers really were teetering on that. But I mean, you know, they got Embiid through it, and had Embiid not been hurt for his first two years, things would have played out dramatically differently for that franchise. But um, it did peak in 2019 when they had Jimmy Butler. And then it's now looking like the process is over. And it's just at this point, it's just like time to do something new. And I agree with that. I think that ultimately the process in many ways was a very intriguing time in NBA history, just because of the fact that it was all, it was heavily discussed and it was, it was, it was like every sports fan's favorite intellectual question at the time. Like every time basketball would come up, people would be like, what do you think about this? Trust the process nonsense. What do you think about tanking? Uh, And it's interesting because like can you do like the question the question is can it be done ethically and can it be done in good spirit um, from from what they did i would say no yeah i agree i don't think you can ethically tank and have it play out perfectly like with the rocket situation right now like you got you, the player's been arguing like this. They had a couple times where there's been arguments and things like that. Um, it just doesn't, it's not a good look. They don't have an actual point guard out there. So Jalen Green is, for example, their prize number two pick. They're not giving, they're not allowing him to grow in a proper NBA team environment. They have him playing next to another two guard who is super turnover prone and Kevin Porter Jr. And Kevin Porter Jr. is, you know, he has his, he's not a bad player, but he's not a point guard. And now Jalen Green's just like, and when they do finally get a point guard, Jalen Green has a whole year of not knowing how to play next to an actual NBA point guard. And then it's just further delaying. They are, I feel like they are unintentionally further delaying his development into a great player. I'm not saying that they've ruined him, of course, but like in order to learn how to, how to win, you need to be next, you need to be in a proper structure. If you're not in the good structure, you're not going to learn how to do the right things. Because right now, his his literally only ask of him is just to score, try to score twenty as much as he can, get some highlights, look good, and um, yeah, that's it. Just get some highlights, look good, score twenty as much as you can. Don't worry about efficiency. Don't worry about winning. Um, in fact, we hope you lose. And it's like and that's very obvious. That's what they want from them. And I just don't think that's conducive. If you look at teams like a like Sacramento, for example, has been they've rebuilt and traded away their good players to lose like multiple times in the last like 15 years. And they're still not having made the playoffs. So I just think I get, it gets to a point where you're not creating a you need to create an environment that fosters winning to eventually win at some point. Like if you have to care about winning to get to that point, it's like literally like the cognitive steps to things. I mean, like you have to want something before you can even try to do it. And they just if you do this year after year and not wanting to win, you're just not going to win. But yes, I see it. 
Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense too, because it's kind of like karma in a way. Um, that you're you're like the the kings are are a great example of of why tanking is not a perfect idea because they have been bottom feeders since I could remember. Since the days of Chris Weber, since the days of you know, just just when they huh? So like since since Chris Weber, Peja, and all them, yeah, like though they haven't been good for a long time, and they they don't they don't seem to be getting any better. In fact, they seem to only be going downhill. Uh, they draft really good players every year, but none of those players have panned out. And I think an opposite example of a team that is actually trying to turn the corner would be, for example, the Hornets. Um, they they just were bad. They, they weren't trying to purposely lose. They just were really, really bad. Mm-hmm. And they okay. they got their hand. They, 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 every year, they try to compete. Like, they got their hands on a Terry Rozier. They got their hands on a Gordon Hayward. Um, they haven't figured out the big man thing yet. <laughs> but that's another thing. Uh, and, then, and then now you bring in this young star player in the mellow ball who was a gym and he's playing with solid talent and he's playing with players who want to win. Now he's playing with a, a franchise that wants to win and they're competing every night and they're, they're having, they're, they're having fun doing it. It looks fun on television to do it. Uh, when, when when you watch them do it, uh, right now they are the number seven seed in the Eastern Conference, and this is only Lamelo Ball's second year in the NBA. So, and last year they were in the play-in. So, the Hornets, like it's it's ironic because the Hornets were decent enough to make the playoffs with Kemba. Terrible enough to land a LaMelo ball and now good enough to go back to the playoffs all in the same stretch that the Kings have been tanking and have been bad. Right. Uh, so right. uh, it's, it's interesting. But I will say this too. And I, in fact, I'll pose this as a question. What to you is worse Knowing that your team is knowing that your team is going to lose on purpose to get a high draft pick and tank, or knowing that you're on a team and that you have a, a team that is going to lose or well is gonna win, but they're gonna lose when they get to the playoffs every year and be a you know a team in mediocrity like the the Portland Trailblazers, for example. I mean, I think it's definitely worse to be in a situation where you're just losing and you know your team wants you to lose. And it's like, you know, why do you want me here? Like Portland, for example, yeah, they're going to go to the playoffs. Well, this year, they're, they're not going to the playoffs. But when years pass, they're going to go to the playoffs. They're going to they're gonna get smoked by Team X, Y, or Z. And then they're going to go home. But, like, at least they have a chance. Like, as a person on the Blazers – you would think, all right, I'm here. I've made it this far. I might as well give it my best shot versus like 
as a person on the Rockets, he's gonna sit there on the sideline, grab a smoothie, and just kick it, kick back because like you already know they don't care. You don't. So why should I care? My employer doesn't care. I'm just here at that point. You're just there for like for the check, which is fine and dandy. That's a great check. You're getting like forty million dollars to, to do nothing if you're John Wall, for example. But like, I'd rather, I'd much rather give it a shot just to lose because like a lot of the, at the end of the day, a lot of things we do, we do them. And like we don't like, may not necessarily get to like a pinnacle. So, like, for example, like me and you playing 2K, we're not gonna we're probably not gonna make it on the friggin' uh esports team and get drafted to the 2K teams. Like, but that doesn't mean like it's not worthwhile in the sense that you're enjoying it, you're getting something from it. So it's like but I mean, like, you know, we do like we win, so it's kind of fun. We're not gonna get to some pinnacle. But if we were getting on and losing, and like we were planning on losing, you'd be like, "Yo, what, what, what are we, what are we doing this for? Like, what do we gain? You know, what do you gain from just losing? Like, as a person in the moment, when you, especially you know you're not gonna be part of like the, the long term picture, it's just like, why am I here? So that's kind of how I view it. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's just for me. I I feel like. I would be a funny GM because I feel like I would be the kind of dude that would almost prefer to rebuild as opposed to retool because I hate the idea. Like I, like I know as a GM, I like, I would hate the idea of being a mediocrity and being in the middle. Right. Um, especially for too long. I get that. Uh, so uh, I feel like. I, I just would say, I'm sorry, it's real quick. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. To, to challenge that. It's like the Suns, for example, they weren't even in mediocrity. They were just trash, but they weren't trying to lose. They legitimately wanted to win. But then they got Chris Paul, and then they jumped from trash to, like, final, a finals team because they wanted to win. Everyone else there wanted to win. They're like, all right, we got Chris Paul. Now let's get it. We have what, we, we have what we've been missing. So it's like that desire to win, like, is important for when you get the pieces to win because then everyone's elevated, everyone's motivated. The, the collective effervescence of the whole thing. It's like, we're all like, I bet it's now, it's now is the time versus like, if you're just a tanking team, like, like the Rockets and you get Chris Paul, which they're going to, they're going to wave him and, and just go back to losing. And that would just kill any shot of ever having hope and or well, having hope at any, at any point, you know, within the next year or two or whatever the case may be. Yeah. But yeah, I just think that's where the difference lies for real, for real. Makes sense. I I like the idea of winning at a high level. And then I also, I don't mind being a bottom feeder team, at least for a little bit, maybe like a year or two. But that's just my, that's just my thought. Like, for example, uh, the Toronto Raptors, they got like I kind of got lucky and landed a Kawhi Leonard. Uh, the the Milwaukee Bucks. They were a middle tier team, and then they turned into a higher tier team because Giannis elevated, and mm-hmm. they got lucky and won a championship. I, I guess you could say they got lucky, but they they earned it. Uh, and and I and I even like your example about Phoenix because they they necessarily they didn't necessarily try to be bad, but they their roster wasn't good at all. Mm-hmm. So 
It's just like what you the honest thing you're saying, like that's the that's why like the Bucks were a rebuilding team. They were not tanking their entire time having Giannis. And like it's the thing with that, especially when you look back at rookie year Giannis, how he was missing a lot of things that he now has as a player. If you put Giannis, if you put rookie Giannis on a team like the current Rockets or the Sixers, Giannis might not even be in the league anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you never know because he was those those being in a place that's not trying to foster growth and betterment of yourself as a player, as a person, whatever the case may be, being in a place like that for someone who's like, who's this quote unquote missing so many things as a rookie, you're just gonna you're just gonna get gone or you're just gonna play and they're like, all right, cool, yeah, you're putting up you're putting up whatever stats. We're not gonna help you get better because you getting better doesn't help us get to where we want to get to. We want someone better than you instead of building, you know, this person up. So. I just have a feeling, you know, certain players like that where it's like Milwaukee was obviously the perfect situation. Things played out perfectly in the end. Assume, you know, if you count last year as the end or whatever the case may be, however you want to storybook it. But Giannis might not have happened on a tanking team. Yeah, I'm almost certain he wouldn't have happened on a tanking team. If I went back in time and, like, made some shit up and told, like, the Sixers, like, yeah, take Giannis. He's the one. I feel like he's, they still would have been trash. Right. I think he, his career would have been uh, derailed because of that 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 mindset and approach. That's a good point too, because I feel like the 76ers have bit themselves or shot themselves in the foot multiple times at this point with players that they let go. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Like Vucevic when they traded uh, for Andrew Bynum. I mean, they were trying to win at that point, but they just did not pay attention to him and his development. Mm-hmm. And then when they started tanking, uh, then then they missed another guy like, for example, Christian Wood. They missed Jeremy Grant. And both of those guys are really good basketball players now. Right. So that makes a so lot that's of sense. That's the terror with that stuff. They just cutting dudes who ultimately become good somewhere else. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just think tanking is you just don't win at the end. Like, again, like we were talking about, the Sixers are the greatest example of it probably in the history of, like, sports, like basketball, yeah. football, soccer, whatever you want to call it. Whatever sport, I feel like this is the greatest, the greatest most grandiose example of losing so you can win three, four, or five years down the line. Mm-hmm. And I guess like and like like we were talking about, they did peak and they had a great shot in 2019. But all that tanking doesn't account for the luck that co- that goes into winning at the end of the day. Of mm-hmm. like Hawaii hitting <laughs> a crazy shot, one of the most one of the shots that's just like going to be in the lore of NBA history for eternity now. Like all that losing just to just to get taken out by by a, a shot that bounced in the rim four times. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, had they been, of course, Vision's twenty twenty in hindsight, but the tank, the their chance came came and went with that one instance. Mm-hmm. And ironically, so we are now. Was, and, go ahead. I said I was going to say ironically, it was to a team that decided not to take into decided to be in the middle, so it's kind of like karma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
I don't, I don't think the Sixers picture, picture is completely finished. I don't think the story of the process is written yet. I think we need to see Joel Embiid's career and all like all the way through. That's fair. Before we it's can like before we can paint that picture. Right. And to be honest with you, I feel like if the Sixers had Ben Simmons right now, they would be they would be a top three seed in, in, in the East easily. Oh yeah. They're, I'm looking at the standings right now. They're 23 and 16. They have Ben Simmons. I think they probably win another. That probably, I think they probably won six of those games at least. And I mean, that would probably put them at like the second seed at this point based on the way things have played out. But Ben Simmons is great. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's reasonable to expect that he'd boost their team by that much. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just crazy how things are playing out for them. So, do you have any other thoughts specifically about about this about this this phenomenon that we know is tanking? Uh, not really. I just think it's bogus and it's a loser mentality. Loser mentality doesn't win in any way, shape, or form in anything. So, ultimately. I think losing to win is a farce. Like you want to win. If you want to, if you're going to lose, you want to lose trying because that just helps people. Like it, it helps that, that hunger is important too. Like players on players on tanking teams don't get that hunger. Cause they know like there's going to lose and then get traded. If they win too much or whatever <laughs> for draft picks. And it's like, you know, they're not, you're not fostering anything. Like championship teams aren't necessarily born overnight. You need like even like teams like the Heat and back in when they got LeBron and Chris Bosch, like obviously that was an overnight contender. But that wouldn't have happened if Wayne Wade wasn't wasn't there doing his best to, to you know to get back to you know the glory the glory days of two thousand six, you know what I mean? So it's like you can't just things don't just pop into your lap all the time. I mean, that's you're the Lakers and LeBron James really goes to Lakers because he's bored. <laughs> he wants to go to LA. But even then, certain steps need to be needed to be taken to get Anthony Davis. This is like and the you know, they and again the Lakers, they sucked for a little bit, but it's not like they were tanking because that, you know, they had Kobe who was trying. Obviously, Kobe wants to win. So they weren't necessarily tanking. But in those and a lot of those players did learn. I know a lot of those players were down traded, but they did get the idea that all right we're here we may not be the best we're going to give it our give it our all and try to win and it just it does it just it just helps at the end of the day it's it's never a bad idea to give a fuck simple as that i will say this though um and as 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 slight as, as a slight counter not even a counter but more so as a, a side point and as something that I think that affects teams on the opposite end of the spectrum. I think that teams, sometimes they don't know when to call it. Sometimes they, 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 they keep it, they, 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 they try to run a certain thing too long and it just never works out the way it's supposed to. Like, mm-hmm. For example, 
Uh, there are a lot, like, and there are a lot of teams that are great examples. Like, for example, the perfect team right now that it, we were just talking about them, the Portland Trailblazers, are I think the perfect example of that. I think they have let it go way too long at this point. I think mm-hmm. that their their run ran its course a long time ago. At least at least a few years now. Uh you don't have a strong enough roster and you will not be able to build a strong enough roster based on cap space, based on draft capital and other different moving parts you took too long to try to get rid of to try to get a new coach to try to rebuild that situation in that way and it's just at a certain point you have to know when to hold them and you got to know when to fold them you know what i mean like yeah that's true on the opposite end you shouldn't necessarily try to stink it up for 10 years but you shouldn't you shouldn't mm-hmm. want to be in the middle. I think I think you shouldn't want to be in the middle. So I think that there is value in rebuilding, but yes. taking taking ethically is not that's not possible. Right. Yeah, tanking is just yeah. I think that's the difference. It's just like rebuilding is yeah. You might start over. You're you're you are building something. But that's something you are building has a has hopes and dreams of one day of, of winning. They if they could win today, they would they would do it. Versus tanking teams are like they don't care to win today. They they don't care to win every game. Like they go out there and the players obviously try to win, but they are put in a situation in which it's just not possible because you're just given you're put next to scrub X Y and Z, and if you put enough scrubs together, you're gonna suck. But I think yeah. I get what you're saying, but also there is a time to rebuild. And again, like they had Dame, they could have retooled around Dame a number of times, I guess, if you want to count every year as an opportunity. But like, <laughs> with a player as good as great as him, it's feasible to rebuild and rebuild your team or retool and come back with a different team, but still be great. Mm-hmm. But I get what you're saying. It is like you don't want to be just. Like uh, what's the team that's always in the middle here? Like the Wizards, just been in, in the middle for like the longest time. They might make the playoffs, they might not. But at the end of the day, we don't really care what they're doing. Right. They don't put they're fear just, in anybody. Uh, that, that's another team. That's another great example. Because mm-hmm. uh, so I think that when you think about when you think about the the Trailblazers. As you said, with Damian Lillard, you've had opportunities to make a move, to make multiple moves. You don't have any opportunities at this point. And the thing is, again, when you hold on too long, then you pin yourself in the corner with contracts and you pin yourself in the corner with the lack of draft capital and stuff like that, especially when you don't make the right moves. And if you make if you make bad moves when you're already holding on too long, it just becomes a mess. And this is what this situation has become. For example, uh, re-signing, re-signing Norman Powell 
and keeping him at the two or or, or keeping him at the three. Um, Roko is getting a little long on the tooth at this point, right. and you already you, you know you paid him and you you got him in there. Um, Nurkic is a good center, but he's not a great center. But you're you're gonna have to keep him in there because that's all you can really afford. You don't have any depth. You kept Terry Stotts in there way too long. It's 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 just. I mean, like, go ahead, my fault. No, what were you saying? Go ahead. I was gonna say with the Terry Stotts thing, the way things are playing out this year is very much is very apparent to me now that Terry Stotts was not their problem. <laughs> that because if anything, he was maximizing whatever the hell they they were doing. Because this is abysmal right now. But please continue. Yeah, no, I mean. It's just you gotta know you gotta know when to call it. You gotta know when. Mm-hmm. All right, this is really not gonna work. We're gonna be because at this point, like the, the the issue too is like for a transcendent level player, the the window I think is in, in their prime is when you want to trade them or right before their prime approaches is when you want to trade them to get max value because now Damian Lillard is in his thirties and he's looking, he's looking to try to get a, a contract extension worth two years for a hundred million. Right. <laughs> so it's like, um, I don't want to trade for a 30 plus year old that's trying to get 50 million per year. Especially if you want high value pieces, well, especially if I'm like you want high value pieces in return, I'm not trading for Damian Lillard. And the thing is, now you you're kind of stuck in the corner because at this point, you almost have to ride out with Damian Lillard. Um, mm-hmm. Just in that situation, with the Wizards situation, they could have moved Bradley Beal and started over. And I mean, like it's nice that they're retooling. And, and and they're competing, you know. Kyle Kuzma, he's been he's been a story, and I've really enjoyed yeah. watching him. But I was there when he had that thirty four points and like whatever rebounds he had, or thirty six and fourteen. I think it was that game was he was hitting some real clutch jumpers. The Lakers could use that three ball. <laughs> that shit was crazy, bro. Yeah, he's had a he's had a major bounce back, but like right. I, and, and it's been it's been cool, but again, ultimately, I think it's kind of too late to be retooling because Bradley Beal is now in, is in his thirties, and no one's gonna want to trade for him unless they're like a Lakers team who already got a bunch of old ass dudes who are playing basketball and they're trying to do championship. Like you can't really. You can't really do nothing with a 30-year-old player trying to trying to rebuild. It just doesn't work that right. well. No, I feel that. I just honestly think it's like – I think with Portland is like they had the one year where they got to the conference finals, and that obviously should have been the formula. And then they just decided, we're not going to do that. We're just going to go in a different direction of what actually worked the best for us. And I just think – at that point, that was just ineptitude. Like I think they suffered from a an ineptitude or inability to 
creatively think about the issue at hand and look at how things have been playing out for them. They're like Africa Minu and Mo Harkless aren't the greatest players. They don't even they barely even play now. But like they were they fit that long wing mold, which is very, very much required to win these days. And that was the best they've had of that. And they just decided we're just not gonna go for that in any way, shape, or form anymore. We're just gonna get only small guards and expect Nurkic to become an, an all-star center when he's never shown anything beyond being borderline at best. And it's just, that was just an inability to look at talent, I feel like, versus, like they truly believed they had it and it was just ridiculous to think that. And everyone thought that but them. So they're very interesting in that regard. I'd, I'd also like to add to that, I feel like, it's interesting to me because when they got to the conference finals, you're talking about the year when they got swept by the Warriors without Katie before they, they, they right. ultimately lost. Yeah. So the thing is, you go to the you go to the Western Conference Finals and you get swept. What makes you think that you're going to like basically, I guess I don't know, rely more upon Nurkic and Dame and them? To step up, and it's like, yeah, they got worse. They got significantly worse. They, and I remember that year they had Seth Curry as well. Like he was a great mm-hmm. addition to that team. But right. just, you weren't close enough. You like you weren't you really weren't close at all at any point. Yeah, um, and it's 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 understandable if you're close. And it's like, all right, we just need that one piece. Mm-hmm. Or we're really not that close. Try to get one piece. <laughs> That's the yeah, funny they, part. Like, yeah, they, they, they could not get that piece. They didn't have it. Mm-hmm. And in Houston, it's kind of the same thing. Like, they, they had a transcendent talent in James Harden. And, I mean, they got lucky enough to where James James Harden value was still pretty high when they traded him, but yeah, if they would have kept him any longer, that would have been a mess by now. And that that might have oh, been yeah. in the Portland situation that we have going on at this point, because they have tried to get you know superstar point guards to pair with him, and they've tried all they tried a bunch of different kind of stuff with the Mike D'Antoni system and putting P.J. Tucker at center and all that kind of crap and none of it worked because it's just it's just not enough. And it's, it, mm-hmm. it ultimately comes to the question of what is enough versus what's not enough. And when do you say I would rather lose a little bit? Like I would I'll still compete, but I'd rather lose more than win. If I can trade this 28, 29 year old and get me somebody new, like the Pelicans, for example. Uh, I mean, I don't necessarily like what they're doing. And ultimately, they're going to probably wind up in some sort of serious rebuild soon enough if Zion don't get his act together. But at the same time, um, Anthony Davis, getting Anthony Davis up out of there because they knew that, you know, that Drew Holiday, Anthony Davis situation wasn't going to work. 
I feel like they should have let Brandon Ingram walk along with him, but that's just me. Um, yeah, that, that understanding that that situation was not going to work and that it was not going to be conducive to winning, uh, I think there's a lot of value in that. So, yeah, I think there are two extremes, and I think the middle ground is tanking. Okay. I don't know. To me, I think the Rockets' approach to the situation was – I mean, the Rockets thing, though, they were – it was ultimately – we just remember it was ultimately, like, forced by James Harden as well. I think James Harden – at least James Harden time, James Harden's timeline was right. Because I'm, I'm sorry, I'm convinced – I cannot be convinced otherwise. In 2018, that Chris Paul not got hurt, they were the champions because it was – and that year was LeBron James and his best perimeter mate was um, Jordan Clarkson and Rodney Hood. That's 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 not a championship team. I'm sorry. I don't care how great LeBron is. You're not winning. So I think Houston, had they not, A, gotten a Chris Paul injury, and B, missed 27 straight threes, which is an absolute anomaly for any team. I don't care how bad you are. That's those, those two things do not happen to them in, in the same series. I think they – our champions. So there's that. That just was that. That was their ultimate shot, and it got blown. Boohoo, sad story. But then the year after, they tried Westbrook, and that didn't work. So, so like, you get your shot. It doesn't make sense to quit after your shot. But the year after that, when it's like, all right, this is clearly not working. I think that's when it's like, all right, let's look at what's. Let's look at how we can switch things up here because clearly, clearly that window has passed. And I think that. So I think James James Harden had the right timeline rather than rather than like the Rockets. Although Daryl Moore was gone at that point too. And it was just a whole bunch of the organization itself was just different at that point. So that's part of, I'm pretty, pretty sure it's part of why Harden wanted to leave too. But I think when you have the moment, the missed moment and the follow-up beyond that point is when it's like, all right, time to really think about what we're doing here. Yeah. I think that, I think that it's very vital to understand to understand where where you are in your process right when you're evaluating your team you have to be very realistic with your process and you have to be very realistic with how long you want to be in a specific stage before you say all right i'm gonna go here instead i'm gonna i'm gonna step back a little bit and i'm gonna Mm -hmm. try to build or i'm gonna step forward and I'm going to try to make a move. Right. It's all very complicated and interesting in terms of just like all the factors that we don't even, you know, we're not thinking about, like, for example, people worry about their job security and things like that. Mm-hmm. So like that's a factor into your decisions to like trade player X and lose, you know, for X amount of years. Like really, it's all just a lot of different interest intricacies that go into it. But I don't know. I just think just the premise of losing to win is not how you actually win, because losing and winning are, while failure is a is a crucial part to becoming successful at a certain point with certain things, they are. There's many. There's more times than not that losing and winning don't mix. That's fair. Now, I'm going to say this. 
I want to see what happens in OKC and if they can get it right this time. Because what the Sixers have it's seemingly failed to do at this point because it's, it's looking like their process is um, is, pr- is pretty much for not. It's, it's looking like it will wind up being for not. I think that the Oklahoma City Thunder, with all of their tanking, might be onto something. And they're collecting and consumption of first-round picks and draft capital. I think that uh, I think that they might be onto something with that that trio of Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, and Shea Gildas Alexander. All right. Hmm. Yeah, just they got to find a they got to find a big a big who works whether it's a, whether it's a stretch who can shoot or just a you know a driving and dunking and rebounding defensive god. Mm-hmm. You got to find a big that works. Yeah, every team needs a functional big. Well, even even with the Warriors, they never man, they might never have the greatest center but they they had their they had their guy and right now it's a revolving door at that position for the um for the thunder but i do like shay and, and josh giddy lou dory is a lockdown defender who's learning to score he's not efficient as of right now but he's he's improved dramatically from when he first got got on the scene with that playoff run that they had with chris paul and the team so they're interesting. I just think we need to figure out. They just need to figure out the, their big man rotation because right now nobody is a long term, a long term answer. Also, with all that tanking, I would say they might be able to find it. Yeah. <laughs> Although now the, the different the draft rules now make it not as simple because like last year, for example, they tanked hard as shit last year and they only ended up with the sixth the sixth pick. And they got Josh Giddy, who was a good pick, and he's working out well for them. But nonetheless, they wanted to lose so they can get one, two, or three. And that did not happen because the new drafts um, lottery odds make it so that tanking is not as profitable. So that is something to consider. If they if their luck never falls on getting the guy at number one, and they have to really hit on their picks. Well, it'll be fun to see because I think I think that OKC can do it. I think that OKC with Josh Giddy and Shea Gildas Alexander and and Lujens Dort can right the wrongs of their previous, you know, sins basically as a, as a front office because mm-hmm. they originally, you know, they they sucked so bad that they were able to land Russell Westbrook, Katie, James Harden, Steven Adams, Serge Ibaka, Reggie Jackson, and all those guys, and then they still didn't win a championship with that. Right. So I think they can I think they can make up for it this time around though, especially if they get the right big. Where is that? I mean, let's see. Because, you know, 
it was nice that some of those players got a taste of the playoffs though because now they can like they, they know what it's like when they get there but it just like yeah they have all those draft picks but they're not they can't possibly make all those picks they can't roster all those dudes at some point choices have to be made and it'll be interesting to see what choices they make because they're with the number of picks they got they will have to 100 percent package picks and get people not prospects they need to get people at some point people who actually play basketball not not a not Joe Schmo in class of 2028. So it's just interesting to see how that plays out for them. Any other thoughts though? I don't have any other specific thoughts outside of the fact that I'm excited to see what the year of 2022 brings to us in a basketball sense. I think that we're going to have a lot of fun this year with the NBA and the WNBA. So far, it's been an interesting season, and there are some teams that I feel like should be taken. There are some teams that <laughs> should be actually trying to win. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, the trade deadline is coming up. Or that'll be fun. That'll be around the corner on the, the 10th of February, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah, so, the 10th. Mm-hmm. So in that light, we will get a better idea. We'll get a better idea of what some teams are looking to do going forward. Mm -hmm. And I hope as a Sixers fan, I cross my, uh, cross my fingers. I hope that they figure out what the hell they're doing with Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons, especially Tobias Harris. <laughs> We're because in the world, in the world where Ben Simmons comes back, it's like, oh great, so Ben Simmons is back. But <laughs> Tobias Harris is like, he very clearly does not work. If there's any time for him to be really good, it was this year, and he's just been uh, slightly worse than than expected. <laughs> yeah, just trade him. I wish people like could see the pain that is on your face for like the twelve listeners we have. I wish they could see how painful your facial expression is. I think it's just not that it's funny, but it is kind of funny. Uh, I, I'll give you a little secret. If you want to ruin my day, just mention the fact that Tobias Harris is still 76. Right, that's that's how you ruin my day. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what teams will do coming up in that light and if they will, will show their cards in terms of if they're going to move, they're going to move on or if they're going to just shut it down. Like for, for example, last year, the Orlando magic basically sold, you know, they had a fire sale. Right. So I think this would be a good time to see, because there are a couple teams out there. I feel like that can make a lot of moves happen. Uh, going going up and and or down. Um, I feel like a lot of those teams would be like the Kings. I feel like the uh, the the Kings, the Trailblazers, the Sixers. Uh, the whole middle class in the in the East and West, honestly. Yeah. Like Boston, you know, they're something to think they have. Things they have decisions to make, 
Uh, you know, Washington is probably thinking about making moves because that Bradley Beal extension is coming. New York's trying to get back to the playoff race. Mm-hmm. Atlanta's trying to not be the 12th seed. Indiana, we already know about them. Mm-hmm. You know, like Dallas is perpetually looking for somebody. We don't know who they're looking for, what they're looking for, but they want somebody. So it's just interesting. Uh, Brad Stevens, if you can hear me, um, we'll give you Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris for for uh, Mr. Brown. Stop. Stop right there. Jalen Brown. Trading Jalen Brown for Ben Simmons would be a travesty. It, would it be a travesty if it was Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris? I think not. Oh, it would be. Tobias Harris is fucking regular. And Ben Simmons can't shoot. And Tobias Harris can't shoot this year. And we can't shoot. So what the hell does that – how does that help us? I like it. We're really like defense. It. So, like, Ben Simmons make us better. But, like, think y'all better in a lot of different ways. The thing is, Ben Simmons would be – Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris would be – would mean a turnaround for Boston. Ben Simmons would be – he would he would step on the floor as y'all best defender, and he would make shots easier for all everybody on the floor. I guess, but then uh, if we trade Jalen Brown for Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum's going to get double teamed every night, and Jason Tatum so. getting double teamed is not. Uh, I don't think so. Because all right, let, let's think about that for a second. You have Robert Williams, Tobias can't Harris, can't Jason shoot Tatum, struggling to shoot. Marcus Smart. Well, not, no, 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 no. You take Marcus Smart out of that five. Uh, Josh Richardson. Can't shoot. Two. Can't shoot. None of them are hitting shots. They go ahead shots. Guaranteed. Ben Simmons going to create yeah. shots. And Ben Simmons, will, he will create shots. And Tatum's having an off year from the three-point line. But like, that's not, he, he, still, he can still shoot, of course. Marcus. I guess. I don't know. I don't like it. Marcus Smart coming back off y'all bench. What? That'd be that'd be great. You plug, you plug, uh, huh? I just think there's other avenues that should be looked at rather than Ben Simmons. Although I do like him as a player when he's playing basketball. I just don't know if he is the answer. For what you had to give up for him, you got to really be sure if he's the guy. And I just don't think that's the answer. I think so. He's one of the best defenders in the NBA, and he's one of the best playmakers in the NBA. And if and if you actually teach him how to play, he could drop close to twenty points a game, if not more than twenty points. Dude gets Duke gets thirty thirty million dollars a year. Why? What? What? What more motivation does need to be taught how to play? I just feel like he should be intrinsically want to get better off the fact that he's getting mad money for doing this shit. And all they're asking him is to fucking play. Like, I feel that. I don't know. At that point, it's his character. Whether whether he's making thirty million dollars or like one hundred twenty five thousand, which is still a really good salary, by the way. But oh, like, oh, that's, that's the case. <laughs> like, I mean, like for an average person, that's a good salary. Obviously, not for an NBA player. Right. But like, whether that's the case, you should want to do well the things you're doing. And not saying he doesn't do well, but also like, he's really. I just don't know how much he's gotten better at defense, I guess, in terms of learning NBA defense and stuff like that. But he has not improved as a player beyond that. 
I don't know how you can do something for years on end and not improve. Like that's just that just says something about you know about how you approach things. But I would also say this too: how we just talked about with Kyle Kuzma, I think the change of setting and a change of scenery can work wonders, especially for a player who who isn't there mentally. And right. When you're like, even if it wasn't Boston, if let's say let's say he gets let's say we make the deal happen with Sacramento, he goes to mm-hmm. Sacramento. I believe Ben Simmons could become a superstar there, just because of the fact that right. there would be no pressure whatsoever. The fan base is not nearly the same. There's a different kind, and, and it's just a different kind of thing going on there, and right. it would be refreshing for him and him, he can actually just focus on basketball yeah but my counter to that is when you start winning no matter what city whether you're in la with lakers or freaking milwaukee with the bucks once you start winning there will be pressure so let's say he goes there and there's no pressure he's playing great the second they start winning there's pressure again what's he gonna do uh crumble again like you know that's that's it gets to a certain point where it's like pressure happens when you're doing when you do well it's like he has to learn how to deal with that at a certain point and it's like so yeah he can go like i think he would do great in other places obviously he'd do better than the nothing he's doing now but like you can't if you're scared of pressure and you and you want to be the star of a team and you want to lead a team that those are two counter counterintuitive beliefs and ideas and until he until he can work that out and see how pressure comes with success because that's just the world we live in he's not going to he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna crumble every time pressure comes until he until he figures that out makes sense that's fair and that's not to say he won't get to that point if he were to go somewhere else, I, he I don't think he's. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just saying. I think he can't get to that point, though. I feel like. Yeah. You. Like in terms of a fresh start, it's not like you just. It's not like you just going to a new place, and you just you just now you just cool here. You are actually resetting yourself, mm-hmm. restarting, right. rethinking everything it's not that's that's the that's the point of a fresh start it's it's literally you're starting from scratch so i feel like old habits can be untaught and he can learn how to be clutch he can hurt he can learn how to perform under pressure how to you know live under pressure like this situation, I'm sure he's getting, getting plenty of experience in different ways, but like, I don't know. Those are questions that need to be answered when the teams are. That's that's those are things teams are thinking about before they trade for him. And like you know, ultimately he is a very unique player. Like you really have to. You can't just plug in. You can't just. He's not a plug and play kind of person or kind of player. Like forget forget personality. Just as a player, he's not plug and play. You really need to structure your team around what he does, 
what he brings to the table because if you try to plug him in, he will not be successful necessarily. Right. Like you can't just trade for Ben Simmons when you already have when you already have like you know X amount of ball handlers because he's not he's not spotting up and shooting. He's you know. I mean, he does play post. He does play in the post. You know, every every now and then. I say like he plays in the post a good amount, but you still have to, you know, retool your offense. A lot of teams aren't posting up all the time, so just you know, that's the Benson situation is just hard because he is not your typical star player. But again, we will see very soon. Mm-hmm. Maybe <laughs> very tough coming. He don't get traded. Uh, He's just going to be sitting for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. But I'm in the school of thought that he should just play for the Sixers because I just think they're already good with him. They have, they can still grow. He, he can still get much better. So he might, he might as well just play. But, you know, he feel how he feel. They feel how they feel. So it is what it is. Absolutely. And do you have anything else to add? No, nah, I'm just disgusted that people really keep trying to get Jalen Brown on the Sixers. Oh, leave I him out! It. Leave leave him out of this debacle. I love it. Please, I love it. I love the idea. And on that note, I think it'd be a good way to close out. That's it for today's episode. Of game time. This is Jamir, co-hosted by Zach. Thank you to everybody tuning in. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at game time underscore podcast, Twitter at game time underscore Z and J, as well as Facebook at game time with Z and J to stay up with uh, to date on further content. And to listen to future episodes, you can find us on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, and several other podcast platforms. We can't wait to talk more basketball on game time.